All right, come on, Eileen Duke. Just before we get to some NFL talk, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, 10 o'clock, 10.03. We know it's cold. It's cold. Everyone knows that. It's cold. That's It's going to be like that for three days, so get used to it. Uh, we're going to talk about the weather in the NFL, but uh, just to touch on the Oilers again, uh, big win last night. That's nine wins in a row, 3-2 in overtime. Darnell Nurse with the overtime winner, his fifth, his fifth overtime winner. In his career, uh, Connor McDavid had just an unbelievable goal that passed him uh, with Glenn Anderson for 906 points. Uh, not passed him, he's tied with Glenn Anderson. Tied for fourth, uh, 906 points in his uh, NHL career. Simply amazing. Uh, Zach Hyman uh, also with another goal, his 26th of the season. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, picked up an assist on that goal, uh, moved him past Paul Coffey, all time for uh, points in uh, Oilers lore with 670. And a big win for Cal Pickard between the pipes. He made that outstanding save on uh, Robbie Fabry off the blocker, off the crossbar then off the post saves the save man so that was critical and it allowed the Oilers to tie the game with Connor McDavid waiting for Zach Hyman to get on side and uh, then Connor McDavid made a beautiful move on Alex Lyon so the Oilers are hot and ready going into Montreal tomorrow looking for a franchise best 10th straight win so also tomorrow it is wild card weekend getting underway in the NFL and it starts off with the uh Duke's team, Houston Texans uh, taking on Cleveland. That's the first game of Wild Card Weekend. And Duke, do you want to touch on this one just a little bit? I know you. You're, I know you're pulling for Houston. I still think it's the best matchup that they could have asked for—a home field game instead of going on the road. Duke, you talked about it yesterday. If Jacksonville would have won, Houston goes uh, as the seventh seed. Uh, to probably play the probably Dolphins. Probably play the Dolphins. If, if, as if, I said, I, I wanted the Dolphins to win in addition to Jacksonville winning. Um, so, so yeah, the things... Yeah. I get it. The comfort of your home stadium, of course, an indoor game uh, does favor the Texans because uh, they rely on the pass an incredible amount. Uh, we, we've talked at length about C.J. Stroud's tremendous rookie season. I, I am just concerned that without, um, you know, if Tank Dell was still healthy mm-hmm. and playing down the stretch and in this game, in addition to what uh, Nico Collins has been able to do this year, I'd feel a little more confident. But keep, like this Browns defense is as good as it gets in the NFL this year. And and yes, C.J. Stroud has been good under pressure and, you know, um, he He's athletic mm-hmm. enough to scramble out of the pocket. And the thing, he doesn't scramble really for yardage. He scrambles out to then continue to look downfield. We saw it that one play last week where it looked like he was throwing it away and all of a sudden out of like tracking down a fly ball, Kevin Kiermeyer style, Nico <laughs> Collins comes in and gets under an incredible play. But the, the, the Browns are a really good team. There, there's yeah. no two ways about it. The, the current spread is two points um, over under at 44 and a half. I, I, I'm going to bet on the Texans just because I, yeah. I have to. But uh, I think whoever wins this game has a real chance to, to pull off an upset in the next round, of course, depending who wins the rest of them as well. But uh, both of these teams have things you really like. The Texans' run defense was one of the best in the league all year, top six, I believe, in terms of yardage allowed. But they gave up more running touchdowns than anybody else in the league, despite having the lowest or uh, one of the lower yardages. And the Browns, they run the ball very well. Their O-line is terrific. Um, and, the, and the Texans have been porous to the past. They've generated some turnovers uh, with interceptions, but yardage allowed uh, has been quite good. And we've seen Joe Flacco really turn back the clock. So, like I said, I don't think it 
in terms of matchup-wise, the Browns are very good. But the comfort of your home stadium, your own fans behind you, C.J. Stroud, um, you know, avoiding mm-hmm. the travel to Cleveland, which where apparently the weather is not very good either. <laughs> um, although I heard a rumor that they there is a possibility of moving the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game to Cleveland because the w- weather in Buffalo is so bad that they might have to move it to a neutral site. I don't. I, I, it's been a couple of days since I've seen that, but I heard or I saw a rumor of it buzzing around Twitter. But uh, digressing back, yeah, I'm on the Texans, but like I've said it all week, I'm not the most confident fan in the world. Okay, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. I mean, Browns are a good team. Like they, they if apart from like mm-hmm. if you took the division leaders out of it, where where would they be? Like they'd I'm just be the saying, two seed. I'm just saying, if I'm Houston, I want to play at home, and I'll take on Cleveland. I'll take Cleveland against the other options that were presented like to the, me. Like the Browns have the second best record in the AFC, of course, tied with yeah. um, Bills, Dolphins, and uh, and the Chiefs. But, like, you have to keep in mind but, that I they mean, lost their starting running back. Several, they played five, five quarterbacks this year. I get it. But, okay, the Bills come in as the number two seed, correct, right? Yeah. Because they beat Miami. Correct. So if, if everything would have shaken down the other way around – uh, so and Houston had ja- to go to Miami. Jack, well, no, no, Jacksonville wins, right? Yeah, yeah. So Jacksonville would be coming in, and they'd be hosting Cleveland. Correct. So where, and then basically the Bills win. If the Bills, if the Bills won, they got the two seed regardless. Yeah, but I think that so then would've... they'd be going to Buffalo, Houston. Yes. yes. So no, I mean, there was a way they would have outseeded the Steelers still. So then they're I going. Think. Then they're going to Dallas. Kansas City, that's what – and, like, the Chiefs are a team that I think is vulnerable. Yes, they still have Patrick what, Mahomes. Yeah, but, all, and the, and the, the, the weather in KC, of course, uh, when I was dreaming this up was last weekend. We didn't necessarily have the full <laughs> forecast yet. Now now knowing what we know, I'm not sure I'd love a game in KC for this Texans team that plays indoors most of the time. So, uh, you know, like, I, I'll defer to you, Kevin, and say that I do think that you're right. The home field does matter a lot. I mean, Houston and Energy Stadium's not – it's not Bills Mafia. It's not Lambeau Field. It's not even even um, Soldier Field. Like where you're outdoors and but combination of the weather, the fans mm-hmm. can make a real difference and uh, a positive impact for your team. I don't think Houston Stadium does that uh, with their with their fan base. They're passionate. They're Texans. They love football. That's what they live and breathe down there. But it, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a game I'm really looking forward to. Which I think every basically the only game I'm not really too amped up about is the Steelers Bills because I think that even with the weather being poor, I think the Bills will wipe the floor with Pittsburgh without TJ Watt. Spokesperson for the Steelers says the franchise has not heard of any potential change in Buffalo for a move. Mm. So, but they are predicting a lot of snow and bad weather. Same yeah. with Kansas City, where they're predicting could be the coldest possible game for both teams that they're facing. Uh, again, so we're in Fahrenheit. Windchill's up to minus 30 in Kansas City. Now, in case you're wondering, Duke, the coldest NFL games on record. The Ice Bowl back in 1967. This was uh, at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. The Packers and Cowboys still put up 38 points. Packers win 21-17. That's pretty surprising. And I mean, you. And this is the game that you see on NFL films all the time. You see all, you know, you know all the Packer guys and Bart Starr and all these the, guys. The frozen They're, tundra. The frozen, yes. You see all these guys, you know, very cold. I, I obviously don't remember that one. I just, because it's too far back and it was well, the year I was born. Anyway, uh, but I do remember in 82, 
9 degrees, minus 9, 59 below at times with the wind chill. In Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, AFC Championship, the Bengals beat the Chargers. What else is new? The Chargers lose again. And the only reason they said that is because Conman just, just showed just up in the Connor studio. You just poke his yeah. head back in the door? <laughs> 27-7. So again, a lot of points. And I think there could be more points put up again in these conditions. I'm not sure about the snow, but when it's cold, sometimes, you know, you can still... You can still make offensive plays. The wind, I think, plays a bigger role. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the the air attack and things. And, of course, that's something the Chiefs will always rely on when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. But I love the fact that they have Isaiah Pacheco. Both these teams run the ball really mm-hmm. well, right, uh, the Dolphins and the Chiefs. The, the total in that game, even with the weather, is still 43.5, which, yes, that's probably a little low when you consider the, the offenses that these two teams possess, especially the Dolphins. Um, but the, the, uh, the more... Interesting thing on this one, if you look at, like I said, the matchup itself, is that the Dolphins are four-and-a-half-point dogs. Mm-hmm. They could have eased. I mean, they were not as good down the stretch as they were to start the season, of course. The 70-burger on Denver comes <laughs> to mind. Um, and the health of their receivers, we we know Jalen Waddle missed the last game. Tyree Kill seems to kind of still be nursing uh, that leg injury. So I think that probably plays a factor. But this is a Chiefs team that couldn't seem to get out of their own way most of the season. And they're four-and-a-half-point favorites in a playoff game. I think home field is probably the main factor in that spread. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Slurpy Sean says, "I um, I have the Browns beating the Ravens in the next round. Well, you got to get past the first game. You got first. It, assuming the Browns beat the Texans, which I will uh, allow that mm-hmm. assumption for the sake of this discussion. Uh, I, I think that's a great matchup. Like the the revenge. Fight, it's basically mm-hmm. the the exactly what we're seeing this Sunday night. We just talked about it with Will Birchfield about Stafford making his return um, to Detroit. Now, if Joe Flacco takes the Cleveland Browns into Baltimore next weekend and comes out with the win, (laughs) man, like this is a guy that won won two Super Bowls for that franchise. Which reminds me, Duke, can you believe it? This Day in sports history. You will remember this. You should remember this, Duke, because this is in your... Lifetime? Your wheelhouse. (laughs) It's the Mile High Miracle. Now, do you know what that is, Duke? The Mile High Miracle. The Mile High Miracle 11 years ago. And it was the Baltimore Ravens in Denver, obviously. AFC Divisional Playoff game against the Broncos. Broncos were leading 35-28 with a minute left. Joe Flacco, a 70-yard touchdown to Jacoby Jones to tie the game, and the Ravens would win it in overtime. There you go. That's the mile-high miracle. Now, also today, Duke, in 1969, one of the most iconic uh, pieces of video that you will ever see in NFL history, Joe Namath running down the tunnel, with his number one finger looking like a big banana. It looked like like a massive banana that uh, just shaken off the end of his finger. Super Bowl three, 1969, massive upset. Jets over the Colts, 16-7. Joe Namath earlier in the week says, I guarantee you win. Yeah. And then goes off the field shaking that big banana. Yeah, go on to win the Super Bowl. That was the Super or, sorry, Bowl. Sorry, pardon that me. That was, was the Super, was the Super Bowl, Bowl game. So, uh, yeah, I, an iconic image. I think most of us uh, know it. Uh, NFL fans, for mm-hmm. sure, have at least seen it at some point in their, uh, their coming along. You talk about the Mile High Miracle game, though. Um, I do remember that. That was kind of pretty... Still in the infancy of my NFL fandom, I would say. Still okay. kind of getting up into it. But the playoffs, of course, must watch TV. 
Um, those that that at that time the Manning Broncos offense was uh, pretty electric, and the the Ravens rookie kicker Justin Justin Tucker, Tucker. with the uh, the game winning uh, drill in double overtime, if I recall correctly. So uh, JT, I mean, he's gone on to become arguably the best kicker in NFL history. Maybe so. I think a lot of people would still probably put him in behind Vinatieri with some of his uh, clutch kicks in the most important games because mm-hmm. that was uh, um, Tucker's first go around was that playoff run. Haven't seen a lot uh, playoff-wise since from the Ravens. They've won some games, mm-hmm. but nothing uh, nothing to the extent of, of the Joe Flacco success. So, uh, yeah, he, he's back in it this year, and I think they'll, they'll 11 need years. 11 they'll, years later, Joe Flacco has a chance to be a hero again. Against the Ravens. Against. Should. Well, should know, they yeah. win in Houston? Should they win? They gotta, let's, let's just get past Houston first. Uh, Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I don't think many people are giving Pittsburgh a chance in this one, especially with T.J. Watt out. Consider me included in that camp. Mm-hmm. And then Green Bay and Dallas. Now, some people think Green Bay can pull off an upset here. I'm not one of them. I think Dallas will win this one because they play so well at home. Cowboys at home have been virtually unstoppable. Uh, I think I like the Packers to cover, though. Seven seven points the line. Do you? Um, hmm. I think it'll be close, and I think it might be a bit of a shootout. Uh, we've seen what Jordan Love's been capable of going up against his Dallas defense will be no small task, but uh, he's played really well down the stretch and the Packers are kind of feeling it right now. They spread the ball around a lot. Aaron Jones is as good as he, as good as they get when he's at his best. So uh, I I like the Packers to be in this game, but I do think the Cowboys will win. I think everyone is kind of leaning that way. We had a lot of good conversation with uh, Will Birchfield from uh, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit about LA and Detroit. You're leaning to Detroit in this one? No. Okay. I think... And what's what's Detroit favored by here? Three points. Three? I, I don't know. It's just something about this game scares me There's, with injuries and if Laporte is not able to be even half or well, whatever like, he is. And then they suffered a couple other injuries on the old line, I yeah. think. And um, I just think L.A. right now, for some reason, is able to pull this one out. I uh, I think I'm in agreement. the uh, The storylines are great, and like I said, the Lions are a team that has continued to rise. Like last season, they kind of get a bunch of wins down the stretch. After that, I think it was a one and six start last mm-hmm. year. People asking, you're calling for Campbell's head. They turn their season around. Upset division rival Packers in the last week to keep Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. His last year in Green Bay, which was a huge kind of moral victory for the Lions, even yeah. if. Because they ha- they needed help to they could have made the playoffs last year that last day of the season needed help they didn't get it they got the win they needed though uh, they're a team on the rise like they're going to be in the mix for a lot of years in a row here I just I think Sean McVay knows Jared Goff so well and uh, yes Sean McVay is the offensive guy mm-hmm. but his knowledge should help the Rams defensive game plan to. Um, you know, get pressure on him. Uh, will said it. You know, he's not very good when under pressure. When he has time, he's among the best. So I think they will. Uh, well, they'll bring some heat and, and force his hand a little bit. I like the Rams here to to win on the road. And then the game that <laughs> I don't know why it's getting the why least. Why is amount. this the Monday night game? Well, it's getting the least amount of uh, press. Lyle Bess is in the studio. Come on in, Lyle. Sit down. We'll. Uh, chit-chat in a little bit but uh we'll go to commercial break first Lyle uh this is the game that again Monday night who knows why they put it on Monday night but if Philadelphia can't win this game they don't even deserve to be in the playoffs no they they, they limped in but and we had a text in from yeah. uh, Montana to Rice noted Niners fan uh, on the station here regular texter uh saying the Eagles like they, they're terrible coming down the stretch 
the Buccaneers could not score a touchdown against the Panthers last mm-hmm. week. In a game that, like, this wasn't a resting guy situation. The Bucs had to win that game. You win 9 nothing against the Carolina Panthers. And I've been a supporter of the Bucs all year, a believer in them to win this division. So who are you going with then on Monday? I, I'm taking the Eagles because on paper, how do they lose this game matchup-wise? Yes, the Bucs have a lot, like, Baker's played well, Rashad White, lethal of the backfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, even Kate on at tight end, and the Bucks' defense is good enough. But the Eagles have to turn this around. This team was in the Super Bowl last year with virtually the exact same deployment of personnel. I'm going to take the upset here, and I'm going to take Tampa. The, the Bucks are the only team along yeah. with the Houstons that are uh, underdogs at home. So they're, they're three-point dogs. I, I'm on the. I don't. I don't think I'll take the Eagles to cover, mm-hmm. but I might maybe throw the, them on the money sprinkle line. It, eh? Just the, a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle, but no, I'll put them on the money line in with maybe something else for a couple game parlay or something. Because I think they win this game, but it might like come down right to yeah. the wire. All right, uh, there's our uh, NFL picks for Wild Card Weekend. When we come back, Lyle Best has just joined us in the studio. We'll talk to Lyle about uh, Quick Card Minor Hockey Week, getting things uh, really rolling today. We had a little uh, opening ceremonies and things like that on Wednesday, but uh, we'll guess with Lyle in studio at the Sports 1440 Studios in West Edmonton Mall. When we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, stay with us. All right, Duke, that's a bit of a stubble jumper for... uh, you know, the final half hour here or so. Dreaming of warmer days, Oh, Kev. man, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, a little nippy out there. So stay warm, stay safe. Uh, everyone keep an eye on the roads for sure. And, uh, you know, if you got to travel, make sure you've got all those safety kits and candles and things like that because uh, you never know. Uh, let's welcome in Lyle Best to Sports 1440 and the studios. Uh, Lyle, of course, with Quick Card and Quick Card Minor Hockey Week is uh, underway here in Edmonton. Uh, Lyle, thanks for popping in. Oh, my pleasure. So... Before we get to all the quick card stuff and uh, quick card minor Edmonton minor hockey week, long-standing relationship for yourself with John Short and and Robin Brownlee. So I mean, you're yeah. like everyone yesterday, yeah. just too bad. It was and, unbelievable. Yeah. So and even Robin, you sent me an article. Robin yeah. did one, and that was a charity event. What was the charity event a number of it years ago? It was Hockey Conquers Cancer, mm-hmm. and I recruited him to come on play on my ball hockey team. <laughs> and he wrote an, a great article. It's on the internet. Just just. Uh, Google it, but it's like old man power. Okay, <clears throat> and he uh, he was so pumped up for it. He <laughs> came to my house and practiced, and and we had Jim Paplinski, uh, Pepper, and I. We uh, were co-chairs of the World Juniors, so mm-hmm. uh, I had to draft him because uh, otherwise he'd have beat me up. But <clears throat> anyway, Robin was so pumped up, and on the very first shift, he fell in his head and got a concussion, <laughs> and so his. His tournament was over before, almost before it started. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what a great guy. And, and of course, John, uh, it's funny with John, I, I called into his show one night, <clears throat> and he didn't know it was me. And next thing I know, I win the caller of the of the month. <laughs> he sends me this sweatshirt, which I then wore in front of him the next time he saw me, and he was kind of embarrassed. But, yeah. uh, now two great guys and uh, just real legends in in the city here. You know, one thing I, I failed to mention over the course of the the broadcast this morning, and you know, at Capilano they have that beautiful mural right. that's done. You know, Rod Phillips is in it, John Short, uh, Ernie Afaganis, yeah. uh, Al McCann, and Brian Hall. Yeah, you know, and if people, I mean, maybe a lot of people, the younger people, don't know, you know, who they all are or don't remember a lot of them from years past. But you know, it's a big part of our our city's history. Yeah. Well, when uh, <clears throat> I, I was uh, executive director of the Oilers alumni for 30-something years, and John at one point had been the uh, the PR guy there. Mm-hmm. So, again, I got, I got to meet him that way uh, initially. But, 
yeah, it's like it's it's guys like that. They're not a, they don't make them like that no. anymore. And he was for a radio talk show host. He was the nicest guy you could ever imagine. He never like even guys like I remember when Halsey was taking calls <laughs> and <laughs> he'd rip guys to pieces. Yeah, but. John, no matter how stupid the caller was, he, he never made him feel stupid. So, yeah. And again, like a part where, you know, they, that allowed the next stage, the next level of guys like, you know, Jason Greger and myself. And we had Jim Matheson on. And, yeah. and you know, that's how, you know, we learned a lot from those guys. Well, you know? actually, when uh, we were doing a, a Team Canada uh, 72 reunion fantasy camp here at the Wall, and John came walking in with this young guy and... Uh, he said, this guy's going to be the future of sports uh, radio in town. And it was Jason. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, he was a mentor to a, to a lot of you guys. And, uh, and, and for me, he was, uh, he, he was a, a, a fountain of knowledge, but he didn't lord it over you. Mm-hmm. He was just a, just a really cool guy. And then Ruben was just Ruben. You, know? <laughs> you, you had to know him. I, mean, I think if you first met him, you'd think he was just a rough, gruff mm-hmm. guy who... Uh, you know, didn't like you, but uh, that wasn't really him. And he, he was a, a genuine guy. Well, I'm going to send maybe some pictures out on the interweb later today if I can find them. He, when we were traveling with the Oilers, he always had his camera. Yeah. And back, like you know, there was no iPhone camera, things no. like that. So he always had a little camera and was taking pictures. And and he sent me a couple. There was one Rod and I walking somewhere in LA, LA I think, and mm-hmm. a couple other ones in New York and on the street. Barry Stafford's in one oh, of them. Stafford, you know. Yeah. And, and Maddie, I think they're trying to buy Rolex watches on the streets and stuff. That's yeah. what, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, when we always think about all the the good memories, and that's what counts. Yeah, yeah. You know. So uh, Lyle Best with us from uh, Quick Card and uh, Quick Card Minor Hockey Week is uh, really gets going today, I guess, because uh, there were a few games here and there sprinkled in. We had the uh, we had the opening ceremonies on Wednesday at uh, the Meadows. You were there coaching the well uh, one side of our the media <laughs> alumni. Boy, we got pasted pretty good, didn't Whoa. we? Yeah, I think the Duke wasn't very good, was he? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think when the, as the game wore on. And uh, I think we had five young girls on yeah. our team. They were uh, obviously a lot fitter mm-hmm. than the rest of the uh, guys <laughs> on the ice. And yeah, I, I think the rule change that I made that every time they would score a goal, they would take it off of them and put and it on, on to, ours. To yeah. ours was a brilliant move. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the awarding of five penalty shots for, <laughs> was at once yes. was pretty cool as well. So we've been doing this game before we well, get to the the nuts and bolts of Quick Card uh, Edmonton Minor Hockey Week. We've been doing this uh, the the alumni and media game for quite some time, and you've always oh, yeah. been a big part. Come out and you know Al Hamilton's been down, and we you know we had you know a lot of guys in years past. Yeah. It's just the way it is with media. There's less and less, but it was always lots of fun to get oh, together was, and yeah. t- to kick the tournament off. And I think you know it was we we would field a full alumni team, mm-hmm. you know, twenty guys, and and then you had a, a full. Uh, roster of media yeah. guys, and and some years it got pretty testy. I remember <laughs> Brian Jesperson yeah. and, and Doug Hicks. I we had to separate them because Hicksy said that uh, Ryan had two handed, and him. he did. Well, he probably did. Yeah, but you know that happens. Sure. <laughs> and I remember one of the key things was when Rob Brown got into oh, yeah, the right. media end. Yeah. Once he started doing media, we said, "Well, you got to come play with us." Oh yeah, and, and he was well. He's he was still good. best player on the ice. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
Quick Card and the affiliation with Quick Card Minor Edmonton Minor Hockey Week, almost twenty five years. So twenty four yeah. year twenty four probably. Well, without COVID, it would have been twenty five yeah. by now. So, how proud are you, and uh, what's it mean to Quick Card to be, you know, the title sponsor and be heavily involved in this uh, world class biggest tournament going? Yeah, the Guinness Book of Records. Um, it's it's something that. Uh, <clears throat> You know, ever since I started the company over 30 years ago, we've always been uh, community-minded. Um, I don't really get involved in marketing that doesn't have a community component and giving back. So for me, it's, a, you know, everywhere I go at any time of the year, someone will, if they don't know who I am, they'll, you know, but someone says Quick Card, oh, yeah, my grandson was in Quick Card Minor Hockey Week or my granddaughter. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. I know our employees... Uh, you know, they have a sense of pride about it because, again, you know, one of the things with hockey, like I often say, is some of these kids, this is the biggest tournament they'll ever be in. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of these kids in that tournament who went on to the NHL, yeah. uh, close to 100, I understand. But um, for some of them, this is it. This is the biggie. And they get so excited when they win that uh, that medal. And it's like, like they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, so it's good. For, and for... Again, it just goes to our, our values. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know from hockey, you know, you, you remember all your teammates from right back to, <laughs> you know, Adam almost. And uh, I've, I've seen that with the other alumni, you know, being involved with them for, you know, close to 40 years now. Uh, you know, there's guys who played together in junior that mm-hmm. are still going to Hap's Hungry House for breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, yeah it's, hockey's a, it's, it's a, a unique Thing that just mm-hmm. holds, that, that dynamic, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Lyle Best with us in the Sports fourteen forty studios. Quick card: Edmonton Minor Hockey Week is underway, sixtieth year now. Yes, and and, uh, and again, you met. We had Daryl Davis in on Monday, yeah. and of course, he's the honorary chair. Dad Vern, you know, he basically started, started it, yeah. the tournament, so you know, he's seen it all and been involved and. You know, when you think about going back all those years, and and again, you mentioned the players that go on to the NHL, but it's not about that. No. You know, it's about, you know, these 10 days where everyone can get together. and, and, but it, and Yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, this mall here is, is really a catalyst as well because um, Bill Comrie and the Brick, they were the title sponsors before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill decided that he would do the Brick tournament here. And that, that tournament too is driven a lot of guys to the NHL. For sure. Because, you know, a lot of times you're watching a hockey game and they, they show a highlight when the kid was, you know, 12 or 13 <laughs> here. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was riding on my tractor 25 years ago and Hammy called me and said, Bill Comrie's going to back out of the tournament and, you know, do we want it? So I said, how much? And he said what it was. I said, yeah, we can afford that. Yeah. So, uh, And I, I don't think at the time I realized how big it would get and how important it was. But it, uh, yeah, it's it's taken on a, a life of its own. You know, when you mention, you know, old players and still remaining friends and things yeah. like that. So David Schlemko is our co-host on Wednesdays. He had an old VHS tape of him scoring the winning goal. Oh wow! Back and he brought it up, and I was doing the highlights back then on ITV or Global. <clears throat> uh, I didn't. I mentioned uh, it was a, it wasn't my fault, but I, well, I'm not. I'm not blaming. It was probably Bill Ross. No, it wasn't Bill Ross. But I, I didn't say David Schlemko. I said some other guy's name because for us back in the day, it was hard to get the yeah. rosters and get everything like that. So just mentioning Bill Ross he was there on Wednesday night he'd been in the score room for I don't know he's probably been in there for 60 years 
you know. Yeah. The, you know, I think um, <clears throat> they used to do the, he used to do the schedule all in his head. I know. And on a piece of paper. Yeah. And there was, and he, uh, he had to hang it up when they went computerized because mm-hmm. he didn't have any, he didn't know any yeah. computer skills. But I would still phone him, Lyle, and he would go, okay, I can figure this out. I'll get the, get the score yeah. to you or the lineup, you know. Yeah, and, and we're talking like 800 games. Yeah, 11,000 kids this year, so yeah. 60, you know, and, and Daryl gave all the numbers. It's all on the website. Check out Quick Card uh, Edmonton Minor Hockey Week and gets all the schedules. It's $5 for a button again. Yeah. It's always stayed the same. You know, it's not like you're trying to get. It's like the Costco hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> They're not changing the price. Yeah. Um, is there in one particular area or something that makes you, you know, so proud to be associated with it maybe that stands out uh is it i don't know volunteers or how, how everything comes together or? well yeah uh, you know there's uh, all the referees are given the, mm-hmm. their time um and years ago we uh, <laughs> we had a, a program in place where we would go to the rinks and basically watch the parents and um pat laforge would probably kill me for this but <laughs> The first person we had to sanction was his wife. Oh, no. But she was yelling at the ref, which sounds bad, except the ref was her son. Oh, gee. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think, you know, all the volunteers, is, it's, it's incredible that, that, you know, they're there every night for 10 days. The, the ice is, is ours for 50, mm-hmm. 50 sheets of ice. It's, it's, uh, it's just an amazing effort that the city does. And, again, it, it, hockey is, is the, the catalyst, and... I think the other thing that I remember, because it happened in my era with the, the sponsorship, was when the girls started to come mm-hmm. in. That's a and good point. Yeah. yeah, and it's really cool to see. And well, as you saw the other night, <laughs> Jesus. Well, the four girls, the four girls on our team were the, our best players. Yeah, well, they know. certainly had the most energy <laughs> come near the end of the third period. Yeah, and into overtime. But yeah, I think that's that's something that's really really good. And of course, you know, now this year is the first year of the women's professional league. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now these kids have something even more to try and hope for down the road. Do you see the game just continuing to grow? I mean, the girls' at, you know angle has been, you know, well documented. But sometimes you see, well, it's dropping off. And then, you you know, it's the academies and the schools. And it's just it's just different. I don't know if it's better. It's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, we always thought of hockey as, you know, when I grew up, Everybody played. It wasn't mm-hmm. all that expensive. Um, you know, equipment wasn't that expensive. Uh, you know, now, yeah, it is, it's fairly, it's very expensive. It, it gets to the elitist it does. stage. I was uh, lucky enough to, uh, that actually, that started one of those cancer uh, ball hockey tournaments. Mm-hmm. And um, Reebok gave me all, all new goalie equipment, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the Heritage Classic came, and I was on the committee for that, and... Kevin Lowe said that Hammy and I and, uh, could practice with the teams, but I couldn't go and goal because there was this guy named Fuhrer and Ranford and yeah, all those yeah, guys. Yeah. So I got all new equipment. And Dave Sabanko used me like a curling rock because he just flung me down the ice. I spun around <laughs> oh. doing 360s all the way down, hit the boards. I didn't have felt a thing because I felt like a gladiator with all this stuff on. Um, but now, you know, I see these sticks are now like three and four hundred mm-hmm. bucks, and you go, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's still that elite part of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing that you know things like 
uh, you know, it looked like indoor soccer was taking away a lot of players. But this year now we're, we're back up to, uh, yeah, like 10,000 10, kids playing. So for the next, uh, you know, nine, ten days, uh, is the best part for you, you know, Saturday, Sunday, the finals when you get to Tour Liger and, you, you know, it's just nonstop for, you know, from <clears throat> 7 in the morning till 7 at night or whatever? Yeah, there's, there's 51 uh, gold medal games. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for me this year, I have to be in Vancouver. Um, but that just frees up a lot of my staff to, <laughs> yeah. be, to be giving out medals. So mm-hmm. we've got a, a new guy, Chris, who uh, it'll be, he came to the opening and yeah. uh, I think he uh, he's really looking forward to the weekend, mm-hmm. next weekend when he's going to put medals on and some of the more senior people in my company are going to be doing that. So it's kind of nice. And again, I remember, I remember putting medals on and the kids were just so excited. I also remember putting medals on in the World Juniors where... Uh, some yeah. of them weren't that excited when they didn't get the gold. Right. And I saw a lot of silver medals being thrown into the benches or into the crowd. So yeah. um, the medal ceremony is, again, something the kid's never going to forget when, when they win it. And you know it's going to be hanging on their wall and, mm-hmm. you know, for the next 10 years. Well, Lyle, Kent, uh, thank you enough for coming well, in. My and, pleasure. Thanks and, for doing it. you know, I mean, the tournament's just such a staple in our city, uh, the biggest one in the world, and there's games at every rink if you want to just check out the website. Uh, again, in Terwilliger on the weekend is yeah. the, the, the most fabulous. You can go from rink to rink to rink to rink, all four rinks with the gold medal games, as you say. And this couldn't be done in, without, you know, a quick card and without companies like yourself. And you do so much philanthropy in the city. Thanks for uh, everything you do for for Edmonton uh, it's well noted and uh, we really appreciate it thanks oh, a lot. thank you and yeah. thanks for being such a great supporter of, of well it's, minor it's hockey easy week. on our end to do for sure <laughs> that's uh, Lyle best from quick card is quick card Edmonton minor hockey week really gets rolling at a rink near you there isn't a rink you probably couldn't go to and find a game uh, tonight tomorrow and Sunday and then you know the games start to taper off as as the uh, tournament progresses but the following weekend at Terwilliger is just magical uh, when we come back we'll wrap the show up we've got a uh, couple other topics to cover I guess the Duke is getting fired up for another trip to Delburn it's just going to be simply amazing isn't it Duke it always is <laughs> I don't know if you got anything left in the tank Duke. the drive is fine yeah. and and obviously the, the, the snow is kind of tapered off so the road conditions are, are yeah. alright it's obviously brutally, I'm more worried about cold. you burning the candle like I mean Wednesday night uh, Tuesday, quick started, card. started Tuesday night Tropic yeah that game doesn't the, count the Tropic Canada that's don't the game count I here. tried the hardest in yeah well you didn't try very hard on Wednesday we could have used a little more well I was out of steam because all <laughs> I did was just chase tailpipe around <laughs> that uh, the D zone following those junior oilers around yeah they were good you get tired pretty quick playing defense for an entire game yeah, they were. We just <laughs> kind of watched. Not for a, a lot. Of, not a lot of ozone time. No, How's that? That's what <laughs> happened. So uh, we're back to wrap things up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. A little bit south of Saskatoon. Every time, Duke, it just brings a tear to my eye. Friday at ten forty-five or so. Sunny James slap shot. Not in all versions. Correct. Not all of them, but most of them. Some of them. However you want to look at it. A couple of notes from the NHL. Chris Johnson, Frank Saravalli reporting. The Chicago Blackhawks announced a two-year extension for Nick Foligno at four and a half per. He's out with a broken finger right now, I believe. And here is a big one, I think, from Adam Schefter. Baltimore Ravens designate tight end Mark Andrews to return from injured reserve. Think he's good to go next week, Duke. 
I wouldn't. I don't think they would have him designated to return here's from a, IR if he wasn't. Here's a great example of how much that number one seed means. Uh, of course, the, the Ravens with an extra week mm-hmm. uh, completely off. If they were playing this weekend, Andrews not in the fold. And I guess Isaiah likely has been been great. He's but been really good. He's Mark Andrews is arguably the best tight end in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, I mean, the numbers were still there for Kelsey, but I think we can all agree he wasn't the same dominant player that we've seen in years past. Um, so with Andrews back in the fold, I mean, hey, how, who's going to bet against the Ravens? Maybe still Slurpee Sean, I guess. Just a quick, while you brought up Kelsey and, and Andrews, uh, with Fantasy Frenzy coming up, but this is a question for the show next year. I don't think Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end next year. I don't think so either. I so think it will is, likely be Sam Laporta, um, maybe Mark Andrews. Who? Uh, Hawkinson probably still in the mix, depending on his health. He's going to be. He's going to miss probably the first month of the season, at least I would think, uh, coming back from uh, knee surgery. So, yeah, Laporta, the, Laporta will have a drop off next year. The tight end position is uh, never, never great. All you can ever ask for, like, what about David Njoku with the year he had? Is he going to be back to like where he was when he first came into the league as like the most sought after guy? It was a good chat yesterday uh, on the uh, Orange and Brown report. With Fred Greeton, yeah. yeah. So he touched on Najoku a lot because, again, with, you know, they signed uh, what's-his-nuts that they uh, brought in uh, the big contract from in Cleveland. Deshaun. No, 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 a tight end. They brought him in, and he didn't work out. He brought it up yesterday. I can't remember. Like now. prior to Njoku. Yeah, well, oh. it, like just in the middle, like Njoku was there, and then they brought uh, – Ah, the, the name's escaping me. Yeah, I, I know who you're referring yeah. to, though, yeah. So anyway, someone's going to text in and tell us anyway. But so now, again, Njoko's been outstanding this year, top three, four numbers on a whole, you know, as the season went on. I don't know. Who would I take next year? Number one, it could very well be Mark Andrews. It could be. Maybe you go kind of off the board. Here's 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 what I'm going to throw at it, one at you. Well, I mean, okay, I think Mark Andrews, people would go with him before a lot of uh, the guys that we're, we're mentioning here, but you know who could have the number one, the best numbers next year? Brock Bowers. No, Trey McBride. Good answer. Maybe not number one, but two but or three. I, I, th- I think a, a guy on the rise for sure. Here's one for you, Kevin, as we're okay. on the same topic. So I'm a, a David and Joku uh, fantasy owner in mm-hmm. both of my leagues. One's a dynasty, so little consequence uh, in the off season, just looking at rookies. But the other is a keeper league, and I've pretty much tabbed CJ Stroud. I got him as a pretty late round pick, of course, as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He will be one of them. Uh, super flex league too, so quarterbacks extra valuable. Having a guy that late is beneficial. I think Tank Dell, who I picked up on waivers. Um, as so he'll be kind of slotted in as a last round pick as a keeper. And I can't remember exactly, but it was middle of the board ish is where I did grab David and Joku. Okay. Should I use my third keeper spot on a tight end? Because we all know how volatile a position can be. So it's a staggered pick. Like it, it so you, the, the, like you get that you just can't have a keeper from your first two rounds. Okay. So a, a keeper cannot be a first or second round pick. And then if you picked him and you don't the, know what the, what, the what round, round he went in. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, I I draft. I actually he might have been a waiver pickup too. Uh, after somebody dropped him, but either either way, um, not a super high round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, so like, all of a sudden I could have three foundational pieces at three different positions, heading into the start of next season, following a second place finish this year. 
I, I would if he if he's in the right slot, the right round. I worth worth keeping because I would look like at it. it's yeah. such a gamble on tight ends. If you don't get one of those top two or three guys, you're basically left on a prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think Njoku with this year has pushed himself into that category of a must own type tight end, like a season long ownership. You're not streaming tight ends or anything like that if you have David Njoku. And another guy who's jumped up is Evan Ingram. Oh, I mean, you know, he's, I, I he's he, in that cal- he's he in that a class. Pretty high you know? profile coming into this season too, because yeah. of his. Uh, I mean, like, but the numbers weren't there. The, exactly. So who, maybe you can get him in a bit more of a maybe value pick. The biggest year. thing that I appreciate, Duke, is you're asking a guy that went 0 19 for advice. <laughs> this is the that's the best part of this whole show. I still trust you, Kev. Yeah. I, I you know ball. I know you know ball. I hear these <laughs> questions you're asking uh, our yeah. great guests uh, day in and day out. <laughs> you might you might not have a nose I, for fantasy, but you still I, know ball. I will be back with a vengeance next year with the Doopies League and in baseball too. I had a pretty solid baseball year, just fell off at the end. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking forward to baseball again this year. Uh, thanks so much to all of our guests today, plus uh, Eddie Steele. Of course, Eddie Steele on uh, Fridays. Brought to you by Bonton Bakery. Did you know that Bonton Bakery's long fermentation sourdough breads are not only delicious, but they're also good for digestion and are a diabetes-friendly alternative. Check out their full lineup of bread in-store or order online at bonton.ca. And again, I had that nice sour, it was like a sourdough soda bread yesterday. It was just... When you get sourdough, are you doing like the the olive oil? Um, you can like dip it in olive oil can, or yeah, a drizzle and stuff. That's the way I... Because yeah. I, I have not had sourdough bread very much in my life. But a couple times I've had... You, it was during COVID when mm-hmm. everybody was into it. I had some friends uh, bake some for a couple get-togethers we had. And I'll be honest, I was sold. Like, I'd love to get more into it. I have to stop by Bonton. And a little bit of balsamic vinegar. Yeah. You know, you swirl that in. Yeah. And then... But it, it's such a hearty bread. It's just top-notch. Um, Zach Lang, Oilers Nation. Mark Spector, Gene Principe from Rogers Sportsnet. Will Birchfield, uh, 91.7, the ticket in Detroit. Uh, Brennan Menard, a big game. Sherwood Park Crusaders tomorrow night. Home to the Brooks Bandits. That was our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. And uh, nice to have Lyle Best from Quick Card Minor Hockey in the studios. Uh, done so much for uh, our city uh, doing things like that and doing Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. It's uh, one of the best things going. Go get a button. You can go to all the rinks and watch as many games as you like. Kevin, are there games in the mall? That's the only rink I'm not sure of. Yeah, Connor and I were I talking about so. yesterday. I don't think so. I don't think there are, but that's probably maybe they need ice for some for public yeah, skating. Somebody else has got to yeah. play somewhere, right? You know, if you're not in in this yeah. tournament. I mean, uh, I, that's the only one that I can recall never ever sending a camera to when I was working at Global. But uh, coming up top of the hour is Fantasy Frenzy with the former Ross Shepty. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn at uh, 12 o'clock. The lowdown with Alan Mitchell till 2 o'clock. And then uh, Jason Greger checks in at 2 o'clock till 6 on the Drive Home Show on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show. Uh, once again, thanks to all our guests and Eddie Steele for hopping in on a Ooh, frigid Friday, and she's a little nippy in the studio again here as well. So I uh, hope you have a safe weekend. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate all your interaction on, on the text line. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, have a safe weekend. Try to stay warm if you can, uh, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning. Thanks a lot uh, for a great week, and uh, coming up at 11 o'clock is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.